Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John, and this is the 29th program in this series where I am in John chapter 7. John chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, where it says, After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee. For he did not walk in Judea, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, in in reading this verse, it's easy to consider that the way that this is written, it could imply all the Jews. You know, just by definition, if you're a Jew, then that means that you want to kill Jesus. And that certainly was not the case. John just simply records this to say this in general. First of all, John was a Jew. And all the disciples were Jews. And you know what? There were Jews in Galilee also. They were not just in Judea. They were everywhere. And so it wasn't to say that just because you're a Jew, you want to kill Jesus. That's not what he meant. What he meant was was that there were a lot. There were a lot of people who were Jewish who wanted Jesus to be killed. They wanted him dead. That was their attitude, and it just so happened that there were a lot more in Judea than there were in Galilee. And because of that, Jesus just simply decided, for a little while at least, to spend some time in Galilee. You know, take a break from the kinds of people, the majority of people, who are looking to kill him. And this is a good thing. He can go and address the people in Judea later. But there are a few things that I would like to point out about this issue, about this kind of hatred or about this kind of attitude that some of the Jews, it certainly was not all of them, some of the Jews would have towards Jesus and why they would feel this way. Now, of course, you would have to ask each person individually, you know, what's your problem with Jesus? Why do you want him to be dead? Why would you want to kill him? You have to ask each person separately with regards to what their motivation is and to what degree do they really feel that way in the sense that this is a deep conviction or just a subtle attitude that they have. Everyone has to be considered individually. Unfortunately, these people are not alive anymore, and so we can't ask them these kinds of questions. But I can summarize a little bit about the issues and explain some of the reasons why people would have this kind of an attitude. The first reason that I'd like to address is the subject of the Sabbath law. And what this has to do with is the fact that there were people who genuinely believed that they needed to obey the commandments of Moses, because if they failed to obey the commandments of Moses, then God would evict them from the promised land, that they would be sent out of the land, that God would cause war, problems, tribulation, whatever it would take in order to get them to leave the land, and they didn't want to leave. And there is a history between the Israelite people 
and the Lord that shows that when they failed to live in obedience to the commandments, he did his part, which was to evict them from the promised land, that that was an agreement that he made with the children of Israel. And when they did not fulfill their part of the agreement, then he did exactly what he told them he would do, which was to kick them out of the land. And he did that. So these people, the Jews, who are the remnant of Israel, they returned from captivity. And this happened several years before the date when these events here are taking place. Several hundred years later, these people are seeing the Lord Jesus, and they are wrestling with these concerns. But there was a deep conviction among some people that if the people as a whole failed to live in obedience to the commandments of God, then God was going to cause great destruction in the people's lives to the extent where they would have to leave. And so they saw Jesus as a threat to their lives. They saw Jesus as a threat to where they lived and their lifestyle, their home, what they were able to build, that Jesus was a great threat to them personally to the extent that if they did not do something about Jesus, if they didn't stop him in some way, then he could contribute in a big way, especially considering the miracles that he was performing. He could contribute in a big way to the eviction of of their of themselves and their lives, their family, their friends. They could be kicked out of the land of Israel. And so their response to this threat was that they felt, you know, maybe it's a good idea to just have him killed. We might have to do that because there's no indication he's going to stop doing these things. And a lot of the things that he was doing were against what the people believed, the laws of the Sabbath, that he was not obeying the Sabbath law in the way that the religious people believed that he should observe the Sabbath law. He did a number of things that were contrary to the people's beliefs concerning the Sabbath law, and they felt that he was, therefore, a great threat to them. So there would be some people who would have this kind of an attitude towards Jesus, and yes, it could be so profound that it would motivate them to have a desire to have him killed. Another reason why some of the people would want him to be dead would be because he was threatening their position in the society. And the people that I think would feel the most threatened with regards to their position would be the rabbis, the people who were teaching others about the scriptures, who were in teaching positions, who were considered to be elders of the community, who were considered to be representatives of God. And these people were predominantly recognized as Pharisees, and they did not receive compensation for teaching others about the scriptures. That was a fundamental principle of the Pharisees, that if you are teaching somebody about the Lord, about God, about the law, about the things of the scriptures, then you are not to receive any compensation for your position and for your teaching others about the scriptures, because God gave the law freely to us, and so we are to give the law freely to other people. However, because of your popularity and because of the respect 
that you would have among the people, you would have more opportunities to do work in the community. If you provided a service to the community, then when people needed that service, you would have an advantage over other people who performed that service because you were recognized as someone who gave a lot to the community. You gave instruction. You gave guidance. You gave teaching. You were a person who contributed to the lives of other people, and so you would be the one that people would normally select or choose if you provided a service that other people needed. Nicodemus is a very good example. Nicodemus never received any compensation for being a rabbi, for teaching others the word of God. But he did receive compensation for being a well digger, for being a person who dug wells and also repaired wells. If you ever needed anything like that, who would you ask? You would ask Nicodemus if he's available because he's the guy who contributes a lot to your community, so let's support him. Let's give him some work to do if he's going to make a living, and he would have a lot of work available. So he would be able to do a lot of work, and he would be compensated for that, and he could become quite wealthy, and he was recognized as a wealthy person. But he obtained his wealth through labor, not through teaching the scriptures. So he had a position. There were rabbis who had positions. And Jesus was a threat to their position. Indirectly, Jesus was also a threat to their source of income as well. But that was an indirect threat. It was not direct. What was direct was that they would lose their reputation and they would lose their position in the community because Jesus was teaching things that were different from what the rabbis were teaching. If the people believed Jesus and what he was teaching, then they would not look favorably upon those people who held positions of teaching the scriptures in the community. So Jesus was a big threat to these people. As a result, some of them would want Jesus to be dead. They would want him to be killed. So this is a reason... One of the reasons why people would feel this way. Another reason why people would feel this way would be if they were the recipients of the tax money at the temple. The recipients of the offerings, of the sacrifices, or of the temple taxes. If they were recipients of that because they held a position in the community as a priest or as a ruling authority if they were a member of the Sanhedrin, if they were a person who provided services for the temple, for the priesthood, and they received compensation for the services that they provided. In this way, Jesus was a threat to their job. This would be a direct threat to income as opposed to most of the Pharisees who would be feeling an indirect threat to their income. There was a direct threat in the sense that if Jesus was able to assert his messianic status, if he was able to assert his position as the king of Israel, well, then these people's position, their jobs, 
how they received an income directly that could very well be threatened. He was speaking about things that were contrary to what the leadership were involved in, what they were doing. And as a result, Jesus was such a great threat to their lives, to their livelihood, to their way of life, that they would probably want him to be dead, that they would want him to be killed. This is a very real issue, a very real situation. This was mentioned, for example, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. When he did that, a lot of the leadership decided that they would find a way to have him killed because he's raising people from the dead. And if he continues to do what he's doing, then the Romans might come and take away their position, their position and their income as a result, their place in society, then their lives will be changed. So they thought it would be better to just have Jesus killed and then they can keep their position and their way of life. Another reason why people might want Jesus to be killed is because there was a great threat from the Romans. If Jesus was to assert his status as the messianic king, as the king of Israel, then there would be war. The Romans would not tolerate Jesus being the king of Israel. They simply would not tolerate that. They would not allow that, especially when you consider that he's not going to submit to the Romans as the authority in the land. And so there would be war. There would be war and a lot of people would die. A lot of people would die. And so I can understand why some people would probably think that it would be better to kill Jesus than for the Romans to come in and kill a lot more people. That could very well be the consequence of Jesus continuing his ministry, of people believing in him, of him asserting his position as the messianic king of Israel. If he did that, there would be war and a lot of people would die. And so it's reasonable for people to consider that it would be better for Jesus to die than for a lot of other people to have to die because of Jesus. These were the kinds of things that the people would be thinking about and why some of the Jews would want to seek the death of Jesus, which is why it says that in John chapter 7, verse 1, after these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now, another thing that's important to keep in mind is that the Jews did not have the authority to kill Jesus. They could not put him on trial and have a judgment issued by the ruling authorities there in Israel and declare him to be evil and to have him executed. The Jews could not do that because the Romans did not allow them to have the authority to execute anybody. The Romans kept that power for themselves, but they did allow the Jews to have rulers amongst themselves and to pass judgment against the people there according to the Mosaic law to a certain extent, but the Romans did not allow the Sanhedrin or the Levitical priesthood to execute anybody. That was not permitted. 
So if any of the Jews were intending to kill Jesus, if any of the Jews would follow through with that and actually do something that would result in Jesus being killed, this would have to be done outside of the legitimate authorities that were recognized there in Israel. This would have to be done illegally. This would have to be a murder, according to the ruling authorities there in Israel. This would not be a killing. This would be a murder. That's a little different. And it's unlikely that this is going to be an assassination. This is probably going to be a mob of people, a whole group of people that are stirred up with all kinds of issues and emotion and a mob of people would go and kill Jesus in such a way that nobody could necessarily be certain as to who was necessarily guilty. That would be the only way that they could probably accomplish this, and that could take place. That could happen. And it appears that Jesus saw that that was a risk. He was not going to be concerned about the Jews killing him because the ruling authorities arrest him, put him on trial, and just decide that they're going to execute him. That's not what he would be worried about. What he would be worried about would be some kind of mob of people who just get all stirred up, and they just simply kill him in a way that nobody can necessarily tell exactly who would be guilty, and then the mob would disperse, and then who would find the individuals who would do the investigation? It would be because of a chaotic event And Jesus was concerned about that. Would he be concerned about the Romans? I don't see any indication that he was concerned about the Romans at this time. He was concerned about the Jews, not the Romans. So he made a decision at this time to just simply spend some time in an area where the risk was much lower than it would be in other places. But he did go to those other places later on. In verse 2, John chapter 7, verse 2, Now the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles was at hand. Now the Feast of Tabernacles was a festival that took place every year, and according to the Mosaic Law, everyone is required to be in Jerusalem to observe the Feast of Tabernacles. Since Jesus was living in obedience to the Mosaic law, you would expect that he would go there. And this is in Judea. This is where there are a lot of Jews who want him dead. So the time is here. The time is present where Jesus is going to have to decide, is he going to go into Judea where a lot of people want him dead? Or is he going to just simply hang out in Galilee? And it might feel a little bit more comfortable there in Galilee during this time, during this festival, because the religious Jews are going to be in Jerusalem. They're going to be far away doing their thing. It's an eight-day event. And so he gets over a week of time of relaxation without having to be worried about somebody around him who wants to kill him because they're all going to be over there. But he needs to be there because this is expected according to the law. This is required according to the Mosaic law. If he's going to live in obedience to the law, he's going to have to go to Jerusalem for this festival. People will sometimes ask me, well, 
What do I do in order to observe the Feast of Tabernacles? People do ask me this question every year. I get questions from people during this time, during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles. People also will contact me around Passover as well. More people contact me during the Feast of Tabernacles than Passover for some reason. But they call me or they send me an email and they ask me, Aaron, what do I need to do? In order to properly observe the Feast of Tabernacles, and of course the answer to this question is never what they expect, but the answer is well defined. The answer is defined in the law, in Leviticus chapter twenty-three, between verses thirty-three and forty-four, and also in Deuteronomy chapter sixteen. You have. The details concerning what you are expected to do, if you are going to observe the law, if you're going to obey the law, then look at the law, read the law. The law says explicitly what you are to do. You are to go to Jerusalem. That's in Deuteronomy chapter sixteen, verse fifteen. And most people stop there. Most people are not going to go to Jerusalem, but that's what it says. That's what you're required to do. In Leviticus chapter twenty-three, you are to go there to Jerusalem, and on the first day, you are to construct a temporary dwelling place that includes four different kinds of plants, and they're listed there. And on the first day, it is a Sabbath day, and so you better construct this before the first day of the festival. And then you rest in your dwelling place on the first day, and then there will be seven days, and on the eighth day. You have another day of rest where you rest as a Sabbath day in your dwelling place, and then you can go home. That's the law. Do that, and you obey the law. And if you don't do that, then you have violated the law. Now you don't even have to believe that there is a God to do any of that. You can go to Jerusalem. You can set up your temporary dwelling place. Now, if you were to do that today, you probably need some special permission. From the authorities to set up a place and then just sort of camp out there for eight days, but if you're going to obey the law, then that's what you do. And if you don't do that, then you don't obey the law. Now, even if you do, what will God really think about that? Consider what was going on when Jesus, God manifested in the flesh, when God was there. He was there. That's what we're talking about here in John. Chapter seven, the Gospel of John, chapter seven, verse two. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand, and Jesus is ready to go. When the people observe this commandment, when they are finished, is God going to say, "I really felt worshipped from that"? Yes, I really feel as though these people. Love me, they love their God. Is that what he's going to think? That's not what it was about, folks. It was not about that at all. It was about making sure that the people would be in town when you go through the ministry of the Lord Jesus, and you see that there were appointed times: the Passover, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Tabernacles. Jesus was there. And when he was there, he did a number of things that would be public, 
public in the sense that everyone would know about it. This is what the festivals were for. They were for this time in history when God himself would show up personally and speak to the people about the truth of himself and explain the way that things really are. And he would be able to do so to the entire nation of people who were alive at that time. And this would be a very public experience between God and the people. Now, I understand that there are a lot of potential prophetic inferences with regards to the festivals. There are a lot of foreshadowings. There are many other things that we could look at, that we can consider, maybe speculate on, because we don't really have as much information as we would like concerning how God has made use of the festivals. But what we do know is that this was a way that Jesus was able to speak to the people publicly and directly, and I personally feel that this is the main reason why God defined the festivals in the Mosaic Law was for this purpose, for Jesus to be able to go to Jerusalem and speak to all these people, some of which want to kill him. And I will continue with this in the next program. Thank you for listening. This is the 29th program in the verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. In this program, I spent some time in John chapter 7, verses 1 through 2, and I explained that some of the people did feel threatened by the Lord Jesus. They were feeling threatened by Jesus because he was not observing the Sabbath law in the way that some of the people felt that he should be observing the Sabbath law, and so they thought that perhaps God would intervene and he would cause destruction in the land because the people were not observing the commandments like they were supposed to. There was a concern with regards to job security for many of the religious leaders who were there because Jesus was telling the people that what they were learning was not necessarily true from the religious leaders. And so they were at risk of losing their position, which could result in losing job opportunities. And there was also a concern that the Romans might wage war against the people if Jesus is asserted as the Messianic King. And I will continue with the subject of the Feast of Tabernacles in the next program. You have been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado, 80937 or use the donation link on our website, livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net.